this one comes with a bit of a sour taste in your mouth. Uh, that's not the right transition to use. Nope, not a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Comic Book Podcast. As usual, my name is Andy. Along with me are Kelsey and Ryan. And this week we have some news, some comics, as well as some brand new superpowers. But before we get to uh, some classic characters developing some new abilities, we've got a superhero showdown that actually happened in real life, kind of. (laughs) Uh, We have a big comic creator for Marvel who is having some changes to the way he's going to be making comics. And then uh, we just got a brand new trailer for uh, Netflix's Daredevil series, which we'll get to. Uh, And then we've got a brand new event that's going on with Guardians of the Galaxy and X-Men. So a whole bunch of other stuff to talk to, as well as comics coming out this week. We had Ms. Marvel, Saga, Star Wars... (laughs) And a handful of other wonderful comics. Uh, guys, how are you doing this week, Kelsey, Ryan? Pretty rad. I don't awesome. know. It was, it was kind of, I guess we were, we were kind of talking about it before the show. We kind of had like a slowish week in terms of comics last week. So, mm-hmm. although I said that and then the list of comics to talk about <laughs> in the show notes like doubled in size. In yeah, time, so, for so, sure. You know. Last fun. week? It's like our longest episode since. I know ever yeah it's like our giant size annual episode yeah giant size man thing (laughs) my favorite comic book joke i feel like that's everybody's favorite comic book joke like you're not alone i I just want to own it so bad (laughs) Uh, i'll look into it for your wedding present oh sweet (laughs) andy let's pitch in If we, if we like both contribute it, can we just like leave it? Do we even have to wrap it? Can we just like leave it on top of all of the the presents and be like, uh, <laughs> Which is I like know who that's from? <laughs> Everyone's uh, gonna be like, "Who got Ryan a giant size man thing?" And I'm gonna be like, "God did. What up?" And then I'll drop a mic. <laughs> um, for I'm my just gonna get you like a foam microphone that you can just like drop <laughs> all the time, so that like anytime you can just pull it out of your back pocket and be like, "I'm out of here." Everyone would hate you so much. No, we got this. We're going to have the best wedding presents on lock. Like, don't even worry about it. <laughs> Speaking of a wonderful thing that happened, uh, the Super Bowl took place over the weekend. Uh, the Patriots no won. Surprise. Yay. Yeah, the Patriots no. won. The Seahawks lost. People on, on both sides of uh, that game were happy or despaired <laughs> over the Just results. so angry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, two wonderful comic book and movie personalities, Chris Evans and Chris Pratt, as Captain America and Star-Lord, respectively, made a friendly bet between the two of them based on who would win, and they were going to take a trip out to uh, the winning team city, come to like a children's hospital in costume, do a full charity event. And uh, actually, after this got announced, they started kind of raising some money on both ends of it. And T-Fury even put up a uh, special like shirt that mm-hmm. had like the helmet of Captain America and the helmet of Star-Lord kind of like melded into a football helmet thing. And they sent some of it off to charity as well. They raised over $27,000, so good up to you guys. I thought it was kind of interesting because in my head, I was thinking that uh, you know just those two were cheering for the respective teams as opposed to anyone else. I think it, it just started out 
that they knew each other and they were calling each other out on Twitter. And then everyone just loved the fact that Star-Lord and Captain America were Talking choosing shit. opposite sides <laughs> of the Super Bowl. Yeah. So they ran with it. Smart smart on them, you know, to run with it. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if at some point, like, there's like a PR rep who, like, texted one of them that was like hey guys so <laughs> i have this idea <laughs> hear me out <laughs> but i mean they're sm- they're both smart dudes so i wouldn't be surprised if they uh if they just came up with it off the cuff but probably i don't know good for them and uh you know that means that a bunch of kids in the hospital get a get a visit from captain america and uh star lord which is good for them so, yep so. but don't be interstellar space bandits guys okay? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> unless school. you want to be then do whatever you want yeah that's true you know? don't let andy hold you back yeah and is chris <laughs> evans a patriots fan yes How i'm fit. assuming so because he's from boston he is, is that where they're from? from boston that's correct I don't, I don't care he's captain america and he roots for the patriots that's america's team now <laughs> suck it cowboys yeah. captain america doesn't root for you <laughs> these colors don't run right. uh, but yeah so you know good for them it was uh it was good to see i know like the Super Bowl kind of doesn't get uh, necessarily as much comic crossover, although uh, with the amount of people that I've found out this year, like had like weird, crazy prop bets like running on the game, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if really everyone is watching the Super Bowl. Um, My uh, fantasy football league is named after Marvel's NFL Super Pro character. Of course it is. Because yep. <laughs> that's a real. Listen, listeners, and that would be Google Marvel NFL Super Pro, and just be amazed at what used to be able to make it into print. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad that you're canceling She Hulk, but there were fucking like ten issues of this shit. Yeah, <laughs> we'll leave it up to you, listeners, to take care of that Google search on your own. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> speaking of leaving, one of our favorite uh, comic creators. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis has announced that he's going to be leaving the uh, X-Men franchise uh, with the conclusion coming up in Uncanny X-Men number 600. Uh, Bendis has been, you know, just the recent kind of big name comic creator to get their hands onto the X-Men franchise and have a chance to really kind of put their stamp on, you know, what we're going to have going forward. I you know I enjoyed Bendis's run. I'll I'll always I'll always read Bendis. It was kind of disappointing for him to dip into time travel, but as we said when it happened, it's X Men. <laughs> like we, we yeah, I guess we kind of knew it was going to happen. Yeah, it just kind of goes with the territory for X Men. <laughs> like <laughs> there's no denying that at all. It's going to happen regardless of who writes it. If I ever get famous, like and become a comic book writer, I'm I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah, enjoy Mark that. my words. Everyone's going to be like, this is the best run of X-Men ever. I understand everything that's happening. There's no there's no random Summer's relative popping up out of nowhere. It's going to be excellent. I haven't, I haven't read the word Ascani fucking once. It's going to rule. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's funny. Hype, be- hype dreams. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I mean the the good news is that uh, like four hours after they announced that he was no longer going to be writing Uncanny and uh, All New X Men, uh, they also announced that he inked a exclusive writing deal with uh, Marvel. So basically, it means that Bendis is only going to write Marvel comics moving forward, um, and it looks like a large portion of his. Um, 
of his like kind of work with the studio moving forward is going to be working with the Netflix uh, Power series or the Sony, Sony Online series that is. Excuse me. Has mm-hmm. Bendis wrote anything other than Marvel in the last decade? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. No, I don't check it out. But, I'll, go, I'll do a know. Google search. <laughs> we'll we'll we'll, in, we'll have uh, someone investigate that right now. I don't He's kind of like the definitive, you know. Like you think of Jeff Johns, like oh, that's DC's or like DC's guy. definitive writer, you know. Like yeah. I feel like Bendis is kind of the same for Marvel. Yeah, no, I think that's a pretty good. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, they're both kind of like have their hands on kind of what's the franchise um, character at the time. You know, he's. I think he's written some. I want to say he's written something outside of it, like something creator-owned. Yeah, he did some stuff for Image in 98, says he he wrote Torso. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess technically Powers, um, uh, before they brought it over, was... Yeah, it wasn't Marvel to begin with. Yeah, it was Icon, I think. But aside from, like, a couple of Icon comics, like, he's only been doing Marvel since, like, 2000. (laughs) So it's pretty much like one of those things where it's already in effect. But this is just like a this is like some girl who you've been dating for like eight weeks. And now you're just officially calling her your girlfriend. And, <laughs> and you made a Facebook official. Yeah, that's, this now is just for real. getting Facebook official with Marvel. <laughs> I wish Marvel would put in a relationship <laughs> with on, Brian Michael Bendis. On Facebook with Brian Michael Bendis. That would rule so hard. Oh, let's just make fa- oh, Facebook man. pages for both of them and make it happen best ourselves. Best idea I've ever had. I'm putting that top 10 best ideas I've ever had. Can we, instead of it being in a relationship, can we just put it's complicated with Brian Michael Bendis? <laughs> but it's not anymore. I guess they just true. cleared it up. Yeah, he's not writing the X-Men comic anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> now that he's in the Powers comic. <laughs> so good oh man <laughs> yeah so you know i mean it's it's good news i i enjoyed bendis's run on spider-man that he did back in the day i mean i know that a, a lot of people didn't have a lot of love for like the dark rain event and stuff but um you know i think there were a few bright spots in that run and you know bendis has been consistent in being bendis he's not always you know He's not always like the, you know, knock you out of the park amazing, but he's always good, I feel. And with the exception of time travel, I guess. But that, like you said, it's just X-Men. Yeah, when people just have like super long careers and like comic book writing in particular, I've noticed, like it kind of waxes and wanes a bit. But Bendis has been pretty consistently solid throughout his career. It's the same thing with like Claremont with X-Men. Like he was pretty solid through most of it. But then there's certain times you're like, "Mm, maybe you need a vacation. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I think a testament to him kind of being, you know, to us kind of trying to like find things to say that are like bad or amazing, outstanding him is like, a testament to how good of a writer he is, you know? You can depend on Bendis to give you, like, uh, a pretty damn good comic. So I'm glad, I'm glad he's going to be uh, playing with Marvel. Hell yeah. Uh, you know, Bendis is writing Powers. That's uh, going to be coming out on the PlayStation Network um, through probably the same PlayStation Network, but you have to tie into, like, the Netflix app. Uh, you can find your way to this brand new teaser trailer. It's available on Netflix as well as uh, I've got a link to the YouTube uh, link here. Um, and that's because they just released, it's like a, maybe like a minute and a half of a teaser for Marvel's Daredevil series. That's and so good. Um, 
I know Kelsey, like right before we started, uh, <laughs> went and like watched the show so she could, you know, um, you know, watch the trailer so she could get a look at it. And it just looks great. Like it looks like gritty and it looks like, uh, a good take on like hell's kitchen. The, just like the city looks like oppressed. Almost. It looks like a Miller, a very Miller esque daredevil. Exactly. Yeah. It looks great. Which needs to happen. I'm also I, pretty amped about Charlie Cox because he is super fine. Super fine. Like, I can't I, even stand it. <laughs> I, I love his costume, too. Like, how yeah, simple they went good. with it, but it looks really good. Um, but it's just such a, like, simple take on the costume. And, like, it's actually very reminiscent of the original costume that popped up in, like, the Hulk TV show in the 90s when Daredevil, when they were trying to, like, make a Daredevil TV show back then. And they like backdoor pilot it, um, and it's like a revamped version of that because every time I see that costume, I'm kind of like, "Oh, that looks so dumb." But <laughs> I mean, the new one looks really good. So yeah, they are similar though. The uh, the crazy thing is that um, the guy that they've got to play Foggy Nelson, he was originally in the Mighty Ducks. He was one of the Bass Bros. <laughs> yeah, he was Fulton. He was like the mean dude who like yeah. beat the dudes up. Like but he's gonna- dick. He's going to be Foggy Nelson, which is, I don't know, perfect. And then there's, uh, of course, like, um, you know, gem of humanity, Rosario Dawson Ugh, will be God, playing Claire so Temple. And, Deborah uh, Ann Wall from Deborah True Blood. Deborah Ann Wall will be playing Aaron Page. And uh, always creepy uh, villain Vincent D'Onofrio will be Wilson the Kingpin Fist. I think he might actually be a sociopath, like in real life. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly plays a convincing one, right? Like, like I mean, and I didn't even like think that since like Law and Order. I thought that since like Men in Black. So, like, so can we? Take, I mean, like, I thought a that since like freaking like a Full Metal Jacket, right? Like, jeez. <laughs> <Yeah. geez. laughs> okay, but for real, side note: I just looked at the IMDb IMDb page for the guy for Foggy Nelson. His name's Eldon Henson. Yes. And aside from the Mighty Ducks credit, the thing that once I like looked at his picture, I remember this weird, weird, weird story. But there is like a Seven Eleven, like halfway between where I live and like this um, place in LA where my dad was working, like a ways back when we were kids. And there's this guy who was kind of just like fucking around with the clerk when my dad went there just to get something after work one day and um my dad just tried to pay because he wasn't actually doing anything he was just kind of like talking shit to the guy who was working there and so then the guy who was just like fucking around with the guy uh the cashier was just like what the fuck do you think you're doing don't you know who i am and my dad's like no (laughs) and it was that fucking guy he's like yeah well i was in the butterfly effect what the fuck are you doing and he's like what is that (laughs) no and then my dad just said i don't know what that means (laughs) and he fucking paid for a slurpee and left (laughs) oh your dad is my hero my dad's my hero (laughs) i just saw his pictures like it's that fucking guy (laughs) who brags about being in the butterfly effect for real right like Oh, man. The 90s were tough for everybody, I guess. Also, if I was that dude, like, I would straight up only brag about being in the Mighty Ducks. Yeah. 
like 30 <laughs> years later, like, don't you know who I am? I'm a Bash brother, son. Oh. And then I just smash your face in. Literally, he was in Castaway. Like, I would have said that before I said Butterfly Effect. I would have said fucking Idle Hands before I said Butterfly yeah, Effect. Yeah, Idle Hands was so good. He's in She's All That. There you go. There's a there's a fucking quality movie. Literally. And that's such a thing to say to, like, a 40-something-year-old, like, Hispanic dude with, like, a very loose interpretation of English. Like, I don't understand why he would have thought that my dad would be appreciated that that's so weird. <laughs> anyways <laughs> i once had a first year film student tell me that the butterfly effect was in their top five films of all time and i was like wow they should get kicked like, immediately failed class. i was like i was like uh you're gonna learn some things in this class <laughs> i really hope that um the admissions office like looked at them and looked at like their favorite movies listing or something and then just start decide to charge them like double on their tuition <laughs> <laughs> we should like make them take intro film like three times or something to like wash that out of their face, out of their uh, frontal lobe. But you know, whatever. Were you like, oh, is it one of only five movies you've ever seen in your life? No, I, I was like, I was like, the I was like the movie with Ashton Kutcher in it, where like they deal with the consequences of time. He was like, yeah, and, like chaos theory and kid, stuff. Like, and I was like, dog. oh man, you're way oh, into God. this movie. I was like, it would have been better if he was like, no, nah, dude, Butterfly Effect two with the guy from So Weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even know that existed. I didn't either. There's three of them, man. Are you fucking kidding man. me? I guess this deserves a deeper IMDb scrub. <laughs> I guess we definitely like underestimated the selling value of Eldon Henson. I don't you think know? we did. I'm pretty sure they all did terribly. <laughs> I'm just gonna double check. That dude's not in at all. <laughs> yeah, wow, no, he's that not. first one got a 7.7 out of 10. It's not bad. What? Yes, it was. I don't understand. Well, no, but I mean, like, I mean, like, if I was gonna make a film, like, nope, there I go. would be happy if it got like a C plus. Like, I'd be like, okay, I didn't do terrible, yeah. you know. <laughs> Moving on, though, Butterfly Effect Two got a four point four out of ten. All right, there's the value. Uh, but it peaked up a little bit to another mountain because it, Butterfly Effect Three got a five point six out of ten. Is that because they like at the end they guaranteed that it was the last one? Was that why it improved? Literally, like, it didn't even come out in theaters. It just came out on VOD, and when you bought it, then it just came along with somebody to suck your dick. Like, <laughs> it's the only way. It's the only it, way. I think there was, like, boobs in it, so, I mean, that's always <laughs> yeah, that'll pop it up spiker. At You'd be surprised at what people will do to get a peek at some boobs. Um, oh, my God. But, uh, There's the internet available. Like, you don't have to sit through, like, three hours of bad acting. Yeah. I don't anyways <laughs> but uh but yeah so marvel's daredevil looks really good um, oh man we went from daredevil to that <laughs> yeah wow. well it was eldon henson man he was in mighty duck God. and also the butterfly oh, guys um yeah hooray for uh six degrees of separation um, <laughs> oh yeah but for real like Watch Daredevil, everyone. Yeah, don't watch the Butterfly Effect 1, 2, or 3. Yeah, so um, uh, much to the love of binge watchers like everyone here on the show, uh, all 13 episodes of Daredevil will go on live to Netflix on Friday, April 10th at exactly 12.01 a.m. Pacific time. So uh, Make sure you request the day off work. Yeah. Hell yeah. And so... uh, (laughs) You know, maybe that Friday or the day after, you just don't do anything and you can just watch the whole thing. Um, So hopefully, you know, if this does really well, I mean, they've already got the Jessica Jones, um, like Project Greenlit, and they've already begun production on it. Um, You know, they've talked about doing a Heroes for Hire thing in the future and possibly some more stuff with kind of like that whole Hell's Kitchen group of heroes. Um, So support this and hopefully, you know, we'll... uh, We'll get some more wonderful 
Omix TV because some of that has taken kind of a bit of a dip lately. Poor we really just <laughs> we really just need to see Iron Fist as a like I want to see Iron Fist so bad yeah. just come to life. Yeah, I mean he's definitely one of my two favorite superheroes, so I would adore an Iron Fist movie or TV show. But I think we'll get it eventually. Like they would be foolish to not do Jessica Jones. And, you know, leave out Iron Fist or at least Daniel Rand. Like, just putting him in as, like, a cameo would just be such a nice Easter egg for, A, like, comic fans. And then, B, if it does really well, you can be like, see, look, we've got that dude. Well, I mean, the, the <laughs> intent is to do Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and Iron Fist, then Defenders. Mm-hmm. So, and honestly, I mean, dude, there's three seasons of Hemlock Grove. Like, I don't think that this isn't, like, it's not like everyone's going to be like, well, Daredevil sucked, no Iron Fist now. No. Yeah. Like, there's going to be an Iron Fist show. I don't know, man. Don't, I, you know, don't tease me like that. I've been thinking about that for a long time <laughs> as a child, but I really wanted to see Dan O'Rand climb to fucking Kunlun. But hopefully, we'll, we'll get it soon, soon enough. I just have to be patient. Patience is something that I just, I don't do very well. Um, but uh, at any rate, uh, we also had a whole slew of comics that came out this week. And the. First comic was this uh, Age of Ultron kind of... It was like a preview comic that they put out digitally. It was called Age of Ultron Ultron Prelude. What a surprise. Uh, And it basically laid out some of the inter... What would that be? Intermittent? In between? In between. It would be the in-between events uh, that take place in Avengers and in the second Avengers... Avengers Age of Ultron movie. So um, specifically, it goes into the details of the origin of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. It shows that they're manipulated through the like the Tesseret and the and Loki's staff, Loki's cosmic staff or whatever. <laughs> Basically, um, we like find out that Strucker was inf- he was infiltrating Shield. As like a high level Shield agent during the downfall of Shield from Cap in Captain America two, and then he Which takes makes sense. yeah, and then he takes Loki's staff and he finds out that he can unlock latent like abilities, aka inhuman abilities. Since they can't use mutant, they're gonna run with the inhumans thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uh, like there are two of the people that he finds that he can unlock. So yeah. that I mean they pretty much just. Like in that comic right there, it's like, hey, look, they're inhumans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't outright say inhumans, but they're it's inhumans. pretty clear. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's we had talked like a while back about the whole thing with the two different Quicksilvers and two different Scarlet Witches and how that kind of irks the hell out of uh, Ryan. But, you know, Hopefully this at least means that Marvel is thinking a bit ahead of themselves. So maybe these characters, even though they are in humans, maybe they'll be tied a little bit better into those future movies, you know, to really kind of carry those through. So I don't know. I'm excited to see Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch. Yes, please. Babe. 100% about it. As soon as they announced that, I was like all about it. Yeah, yeah, she's gonna be awesome. No, she's uh, she's a definitely a good find. So uh, I've been happy to see um, the casting for uh, for that upcoming Asia Ultron shows Ultron movie. Excuse me. So if you guys um, 
you know, want to take a peek at that, uh, you can find it online. Uh, I'll have a link in the show notes so you guys can find it yourselves. So uh, I mentioned in the beginning of the show that we had uh, a certain superhero that uh, developed some new abilities this week, and uh, that would be none other than Clark Kent. Superman got in a battle with Ulysses in this most recent. Uh, what's the is they have a like a title for this most recent story arc or anything? Yes, I forget what it is. Hold on. Uh, let's see. It's, uh, of course not. No, nope. it's the Superman series, not the action comics. Oh, it's called uh, the Men of Tomorrow. Yeah, uh, and uh, this is like the final chapter, and Superman's been battling Ulysses who is from the great world and has like crazy latent powers as well. And he's a, he's a new character. Yeah. Um, it was a pretty big issue because one Superman finally reveals his identity to Jimmy Olsen at the end. Yes. Which has been a long time coming, like 70 years. Um, so that was cool. And he got a new costume, but the whole, then he got his power, which is called a super flare. Um, which Batman explains because he's Batman, so he knows uh, that Clark basically like the laser or his heat vision was just like a precursor to this power, and he can the, like the solar energy that he takes in, he can expel through his entire body, not just his eyes. And when he does it, um, I think they, I think Bat says it can go up to like a five mile radius. Uh, yeah, like I mean, it, I I don't think he. I don't think he goes into too much detail, but it's also Batman, so, you know, who knows. Um, but he definitely also says that, like, um, you know, when he releases all of the energy, like, the twist is not only that, like, he makes this giant solar flare, but he needs to essentially recharge his powers. So, like, after he does this crazy solar flare thing, he's just about the same as a human. Yeah. Uh, looks like a quarter of a mile. Yeah. Oh, Okay. It's an interesting... I mean, Superman hasn't had a new power in, like, decades, uh, I'm pretty sure. So it's interesting that they decided to give it to him, but it's a smart writing device because you have to be able to make Superman weak. Um, It's kind of like originally when Superman came out in the 40s and all the writers got tired of, like, oh, Kryptonite is supposed to be this rare substance, but substance, but all of his villains have it. We need a new weakness. So they decided to make him weak to magic. Um, so, and then Grant Morrison introduced Red Kryptonite. And then... <laughs> oh, uh, man, Red Kryptonite. That was a fun thing. Yeah. For you people who don't know what that does, it basically turns Superman's body into glass so that instead of absorbing his solar cells or absorbing the solar energy, it just burns his body up. Um, and now this one, I'm sure they're going to go into some, there'll be some time when he uses it and then he has no powers. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, the whole thing with Superman is, you know, his identifying as, you know, he's not a human, but he lives among the humans as Clark Kent. And unlike a lot of superheroes in the comics, uh, Clark doesn't reveal his secret identity to very many people. I mean, I don't know. I've probably, I guess, Justice League knows. I think a New Fifty Two. I don't. I don't know. I'm so not cut up on New Fifty Two. I don't even know if Lois knows. <laughs> I no, I don't like... think Lois knows. In, uh, but I mean, pre New Fifty Two was definitely right? like Justice League and Lois and, and his like, parents. 
and like Billy, I think Batson from Shazam. Um, Maybe, yeah. I think Billy. I think he reveals it to Billy in one of those arcs. But then again, you know, like we've talked about in the past with DC, who knows what kind of canon we're on since uh, he just rebooted, it, right? Um, but it's 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 some nice, like like you said, it's some nice narrative space for Superman to put him um, as a totally you know, just normal person with, you know, the same, like, essentially, like, enormous heart that Clark has, but without, like, the Superman powers to back it up. So, oh. That, uh, it's not the worst thing that has happened in Superman, so. Yeah. It's definitely interesting. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. So, you know, we'll we'll see how, we'll see how it all works out. Um, Let's see... Uh, other things in comics this week. Oh yeah, we have uh, yet another crossover event going on this week, um, and that's because we have something called the Black Vortex um, <laughs> that has uh, kind of sucked in the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, the X Men. Uh, it's mostly the all new team, like or the all new books group of the team with. Uh, like Kitty and Storm and uh, a couple of the younger X-Men as well. I think it's like Bobby, Angel, and... Magic. Uh, yeah, well, Magic, of course, as well. That's correct. Uh, but there's one more from the past. Like uh, Bobby, Angel. Oh, and Hank, I think. Uh, yeah, I think young Hank is with them as well. It's Beast, Angel, Jean Grey, um, Iceman, Magic, uh, X-23 is there. Uh, and then Storm's there, you know, the huge. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's the same as like a, a number one for an event, right? It's, it's a little bit bigger. It's got, um, you know, a a bit of exposition to set up the event. Um, but essentially we find out that, uh, uh, Peter Quill and, uh, Kitty have kind of like stolen this crazy cosmic power device. (laughs) Which is basically just like the mirror of Erised from Harry Potter in space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's call it that all the time. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it it really kind of is. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I was I was having a hard time like when it shows uh, like uh, Kels, you got all the way through it, right? Um, uh, I'm in the process of still reading it, but it's fine. Well, there's there's like a panel where like uh, where Storm like looks into the mirror and she sees like. I don't know. I, I guess I can only describe it as like neon Tron cosmic storm uh, is the image no. that looks flipping pages. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And I'll when put, I saw that, the first thing that I thought of was Harry Potter. I was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to put that on our Twitter feed because that's amazing. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's, um, it's certainly an event that's happening with all of these superheroes in it. Um, it's just like a really random, like shoehorned, like yeah, Kitty's dating Star Lord, so we can slam the X Men into this event. And I guess you know Corsair is up in space, so they'll show up. Like my biggest gripe about this thus far, granted I'm not done reading the book yet, um, but I don't like the way that Beast is drawn at all. Like it creeps me out. Oh, like new Beast. Yeah, like he looks like uh like Mr. Clean if he was covered in fur. It's like San Francisco gay bear version of Beast by slash Mr. Clean. Like I don't like it. This just looks weird on him. That's his what, fourth 
Evolution? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's actually three. I think four is the crazy future one where he has like horns and stuff, and he's like even more like hunchbacky looking. No, it is no. It's fourth because third was that Grant Morrison one where he like straight up looked like he had like the flat nose. Oh yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, you're Grant Morrison, right. X Men got all I mean, regardless. This, it's so it, gross. It kind of is. I mean, it, I, I guess Kels, you don't really follow as much like the the like extra like Avengers and like the new Avengers comic and stuff like that. Not really. So like, yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of the same style. That they've been using for him. Uh, yeah, no, it is lately. Dislike. I think they did the fourth transformation at the beginning of the new X Men run. Yeah, when Bendis. Yeah. Grabbed a hold of it. Yeah, I think that uh, sounds right. Because I think it's Chris Anka who was doing that that art originally for them, um, and he's got some. He's doing some of the inking and some of the arting, uh, some of the pencils on here as well. But it kind of shows like. It gives kind of like a kind of vague history of this thing, the black vortex or whatever. And then, uh, you know, of course, there's like a giant call to power and we see some villains. But uh, at the end, we find these like super powered villains that have been kind of fighting Quill in the Guardians of the Galaxy comic. And his solo series, too. Yeah. And in the solo series as well in Star-Lord. And uh, we end up seeing at the end, it looks like. Uh, Gamora, I think. It looks like Gamora. You know what's really interesting is it says, follow the saga of the Black Door, uh, Vortex in Guardians of the Galaxy 24. Um, and one, uh, Cosmo and Howard the Duck are both in that picture, which makes me really happy. But also <laughs> the top right corner, the Watcher is there? Yes. Uh, pretty sure that dude's dead. The Watcher, pretty- Angela... Uh, dang, yeah, this is, and that's Agent Venom in the middle, I'm sure, right? Because we saw yeah, Flash that's, show up. Yeah, Agent Venom, and that's uh, that chick down there is a very rarely used uh, Avengers character named Mantis. Um, there's oh, a yes, I've seen that before. Yeah, uh, but the weird, weird the the weird part is just the Watcher because he's dead. That's what literally the entire original Sin storyline was about. What's the death of the Watcher? Well, maybe it's not Uatu. Maybe it's a different Watcher. Right, because right, they did reveal, yeah, there's a race of Watchers. So. I guess that's possible. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, why can't we have a Cosmo book? Like, <laughs> I'd buy that comic every week. He'll probably be featured heavily in Howard the Duck. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of speaking of Howard the Duck, uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but earlier this week, uh, Marvel announced that they are going to be... Uh, Tagging the Howard the Ducks books as WTD, um, standing for What the Duck, duck. because uh, (laughs) apparently Disney didn't like the idea that they originally had, which was to put what WTF, um, (laughs) and uh, Disney was not keen with that. But uh, um, somewhere, actually, I'll link, I'll find a a, a link for it. Uh, There's a pantsless interview with Chip Zdarsky where he's not wearing any pants and he talks about um howard the duck the comic and how they kind of ended up at that so i'll include that in the show notes for you folks uh, if you want pantsless to zodarski in your uh, universe Everybody plus does. they already showed off to that howard the duck variant covers are going to be run run the jewels variants um yes. the hip-hop duo run the jewels so there's some covers out there with rocket and howard on them looking thug as fuck and <laughs> it's going to be amazing those are yeah. variants that i want yeah, that upcoming Howard the Duck run is definitely going to be something that we 
Um, me too. I'm kind of disappointed to not see um, the comic in this listing. Like, I would, I would really laugh hard if they could somehow get uh, Howard the Duck, the title book, tied into the Black Vortex event. But maybe it's for the best that it's not involved in the event, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of comics. Like in this, there's this is. Yeah, this, 13, is, this is essentially comics. all of the yeah. It's essentially all of the like cosmically collected connected um, kind of properties at the time. We've got Star, Legendary Starlord, all new X Men. Well, I mean, in their defense, they had that whole thing with Gene and the Shi'ar that they did right. yeah. not too long ago, which kind of threw them into the galaxy as well. So, you know, they, they've got a lot of this stuff going on. Hopefully, it turns out good. Uh, I'll read it just because it's X-Men and because Cosmo shows up in this image. So, um, but you know, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. Yeah. We'll see. It's a, it's a first issue. So, you know, yeah. everyone knows how those are. Exactly. There's just a whole lot of exposition with a bunch of characters that no one really knows about. So, yeah. So, um, speaking of a character that is not on issue number one and everyone should know about cause, uh, in our first, in our first episode, uh, it's one of the comics we talk about. Uh, Miss Marvel number 11 came out, and Kamala Khan, as usual, in the hands of uh, G. Willow Wilson, as well as Adrian Alfona and Ian Herring, uh, is just fantastic. Just the most precious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the art is continually very, 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 very good here. Like, just the difference in expression of, like, the differing characters in the book, even people who are, like, minor background characters i feel like they get some good variety going on like the panels look like they're in motion the color is amazing uh the villain is a bird who's the inventor i mean what's not to love and I, this was kind of the wrap-up to the first arc right yeah, it feels this is like four yeah four. yeah so i mean like the first few the first few issues of ms marvel were really kind of just about her discovering the powers and stuff and, you know, what she ended up doing with it and being involved and stuff. So, yeah, it definitely is uh, Generation Y is the <laughs> title of this arc. Uh, and uh, it kind of also circulates her working with this, like, group of, like, teenage delinquents as well who are um, kind of helping her out with this shit, which is... And Lockjaw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and Lockjaw. Adorable, wonderful, teleporting space dog Lockjaw. So I really... Note. Can we just talk about for a second how amazing the costume is for the inventor slash bird Thomas Edison? Because it's pretty great. Um, he's literally wearing like, um, I don't like know, an like, infinity scarf, an infinity scarf with like plaid like vest and pants with like socks coming over it. Like it looks like he's a hipster going to golf. <laughs> like yeah. it's kind of great. it's like a cockatoo of... hipster. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Let's start that trend. Let's just, I don't know how we're going to get the cockatoo part down, but. Just like hashtag it. the shit out of it and then tag G. Willow Wilson. Yeah, it's just, it's great. And again, this comic has, uh, you know, another thing that we love uh, incorporating onomatopoeia into the art. Like, yeah, uh, there's a couple panels with like things breaking down and exploding or collapsing that just look great um, i think my favorite page is the one it's a, like a one page splash of her going through the gears and the robot oh yeah when she, she figures that she down. can shrink down yeah <laughs> that's just such a fucking beautiful like comic book page because it's there's just it's really hard to convey motion like that you know like in a in one page without like breaking it down panel by panel and 
Adrian Alfonso Alfana did it. You know, it looks great. And he, he even kind of uses, uh, they even kind of use, you know, Kamala's like the red to kind of guide your eye through the page. It works really mm-hmm. great. Um, we can't say enough about how great this comic is. Like, for for a comic that has like a lot of words in it, it doesn't feel wordy to me. Oh, like, not at all. Like because it feels natural. Yeah. yeah. It's so it's so like simultaneously conversational without being like you know like short and like too rhythmic and like back and forth like uh, I don't know it's just it's crazy. a lot of comics that like are really wordy you just you're reading so much like just word after word and you're just reading exposition like the characters are just telling you basically those are the comics that are too confusing to understand what's going on so the character has to tell you mm-hmm. uh, Grant Morrison uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with this one, you don't have to worry about it. And it also, I mean, I just, I really love this comic because it is really, really hard to just come out the gate with a number one of a character that does not exist, like a char- a brand new character, and then just like go with it and turn it into something that has such a, like, like such a hardcore fan following and is this good already. Um, so I don't know. I just, I love Miss Marvel. It's like everything I love about comic books because they've been around for so long. It's hard to get that. Like, it's like, oh, this is a new character that we're getting, you know, like, oh, cool. We get a new Gambit comic. Like I love Gambit, but he's a character that's existed for 30 years. So it's just nice to see like a new character come out and be amazing. Yeah. It's a testament to the quality of G. Willow Wilson's writing that, you know, she starts her from scratch and. I mean, like, Kamala is a fully fleshed out character. Yeah. Uh, so. And one of my favorite things about it is because she is a teenager and she actually acts and sounds and looks like a teenager. Like, a lot of times, a lot of, like, superhero-y comics kind of miss the mark on that one a lot. Like, they just make them look like a young adults, I guess, is, like, the weirdest way to put it. But they just look like miniature versions of grown-ups. They don't look like teenagers. And this one, like, all the characters are super believable as teens. So it helps you get into it more. It's like a CW show compared to a <laughs> Disney show. Disney actually uses 14-year-olds. CW the says they're like 14, but they're 20. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Uh, so, um... Yeah. Sometimes I watch CW shows and they're like, the character will be like, I'm only 24. And I'm like, bullshit, what? I was like, no, no you, you turned 40 last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, we also had uh, some other comics came out this week. Uh, oh, we had a number two issue that came out this week that I know Ryan wanted to talk about. Uh, Ant Man uh, number two. Uh, came out with uh, Nick Spencer on writing, Ramon Rosanas on art, uh, Jordan Boyd on colors. This, like, I mean, the first panel is Grizzly crashing through a pane of glass to tell Ant-Man he's going to make you pay. This comic is so fantastic, and it's why I love Nick Spencer, and I would read anything he writes, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, But especially just like, I mean, I read Morning Glories, which is good. It's really weird, but it's really good. Um, (laughs) But having Nick Spencer write a character that has like a pre-existing history is really fun because we've talked about it before. He kind of does have that same ability like that Jeff Johns does um, have where he can reboot this character and like make them interesting. And the best part is the first like four pages of this comic, Grizzly is attacking Ant-Man because he thinks he's Eric O'Grady. 
and uh, Scott Lang explains to him that he is not Eric O'Grady. That is a different Ant-Man. And Grizzly apologizes, and then they have coffee together. Um, and by the end, by the end of the issue, because uh, there's like a flashback in the middle, which is even better. Because oh, I love this comic so much. Ant-Man goes <laughs> to a bank to pitch an idea for a loan to sh- for he wants to start his own security service. Uh, so to show them that he can protect them, he shuts their bank down and shows them like how easy it is to break into it. So he deserves a loan. When he shuts it down, there is a robot in the basement that shoots Nazi gold that is activated. <laughs> it's called the Midas bot. <laughs> and he has to stop the robot from like attacking the bankers. And then he does eventually get the loan. And then at the very end, he hires Grizzly to work for him. So it's like it's got a very like neat uh, like it uh, like cleans up all the loose ends by the end of the issue. Um, and it's just it's such a well-written and hilarious comic. Uh, I'm so worried that it's going to get canceled like Superior Foes did and just break my heart. <laughs> uh, but I just I really, really dig it. And Nick Spencer can write anything. I want him to do like a Doctor Strange comic. Make me care about Doctor Strange characters, Nick Spencer. Oh, that would be a good comic. Yeah. Um, and I also really like that it's building on his relationship with his daughter as well, who is recently revived from the dead. Yeah. No, I mean, it's very clear that um, that they know that, you know, Cassie coming back is a big thing for the comic. And... Uh, you know, making keeping it to be a real like cornerstone of the whole thing is is clever and it works really well. I gotta say, you know, last week we talked about how much comics with like erratic art that isn't consistent bothers us. This mm-hmm. art is just so well guided all the way through. I mean, there's there's two pages of Grizzly, three pages really of Grizzly sitting having coffee and burgers with Scott Lang at the end of this comic. And it totally looks like a man in a grizzly outfit is bashfully eating in this fucking restaurant. Like, I don't know. They, they did such a great job with how this turned out. So um, I love it. One of my favorite parts too, is he, uh, he uses Iron Man's picture on the billboard to promote himself. And it's like Iron Man putting two thumbs up and it says, I'd hire him because Iron Man just hired him last issue. Yep. And he goes, I don't think Iron Man will mind regardless of what happened. A superhero has got to stick together. And the next panel is just Tony and like some guys showing him the billboard. And all it says is Sue. And And then it just moves on from there. It's just, uh, it's so well written. I love it. Uh, yeah, it is a, uh, it is a very clever comic. So, um, you know, and again, good, to, good to see Nick Spencer getting some more, um, some more chances to show everyone what he's got. Cause, uh, he's been pretty consistently great. Um, by the way, did we even talk about Nick Spencer and Steve Lieber's image comic when they did the image expo? Um, which one is it? It's called the fix. I don't think so. Because he just tweeted about it and I saw it and I was like, I know we covered Image Expo and I don't remember like talking about this, but I no. know Andy and I both love Lieber and Spencer together. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, like honestly, going through that whole Image Expo list at the time was kind of overwhelming because it had like so many of those 19 issues. But um, the fix, I'm going to have to take a peek at that uh, because it looks... 
There's mm-hmm. there's no details for it. He just released a picture. It's a dog in a blue harness, and it just says the fix is in 2015. Oh my gosh, it's a hmm. beagle in a blue harness. Oh yeah, I knew you would love that. Oh Andy. yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Who knows what the heck that means? But I'm down. That looks awesome. I mean, Nick Spencer being anything is fantastic. So, uh, well, that will be something. I'll actually I'll link that tweet in the uh, in the show notes there, so people can take a peek at that image as well. Um, let's see what else do we have going on this week? Oh, we had a reveal. So, uh, apologies, listeners. Uh, whether it was like last week or the week before, we talked about how uh, cold blooded fucking Black Bolt and. Um, and uh, Black Panther were for killing Namor and leaving him on a universe <laughs> that was getting destroyed. Well, uh, this week in Avengers 41, we got to find out that actually they got off the planet. Uh, and it turns and he's out, not dead. Yeah, Namor is not dead at all. And we have like some crazy like alternate universe Nick Fury and Reed Richards showing up here. Yeah. Um, I can't and, follow the new event. I can't follow this book anymore. Avengers. <laughs> like, I just can't, man. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Hickman is just, he's always introducing all these like alternate earth characters. It's like, I'm reading a fucking DC comic book. I don't know. I don't know what's going on anymore. There's some yeah. guy who kind of looks like black bolt talking to a robot. Well, uh, that guy who's talking, who kind of looks like black bolt is talking to a robot is actually Reed Richards. Oh, from a different universe. Got it. That from this Earth sixteen ten, um, and uh, yeah. So I guess it's like some super super hyper uh, technologically advanced society, and there's an occurrence that happens, and it turns out that like when we saw Namor get like punted off of that platform when that universe was going to get destroyed, the Cabal was also on that planet and uh they ended up like jumping to a different universe this actually to earth 1610 where this new reed is and uh so they get to meet and it's left kind of up to the imagination about what is going to happen next but earth 1610 is just the ultimate universe yeah, that's oh yeah, that's right, huh? Why didn't I make that connection at all? Um, yeah, that's what I thought because I mean, it, it's got Miles Morales, Spider-Man on the front page, and that's then true. Yeah, Sam Jackson, Nick and Fury, Sam Jackson, Nick Fury, yeah. and I know they kind of introduced like a Sam Jackson, Nick Fury into Marvel U, so it threw me off a little bit. But yeah, it's the Ultimate Universe. That actually, makes a lot more sense now because yeah, Ultimate's um, Reed is kind of a technocrat, and he's a villain-esque character, isn't yeah, he? Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, that's that. I don't know. You know, uh, I will say that the last couple weeks, I've found New Avengers really hard to like follow as well. In the past, I loved New Avengers because it was almost like episodic about you know just the little shit that the Illuminati was doing behind the scenes to keep everything running. Um, and I really like those kind of stories. I like Hickman writing those, but. I don't know if it's because this all has to like catapult into the whole Secret Wars thing and stuff, but I don't know. It just seems off lately. And, well, this is just standard Avengers, right? Yeah, this is. But I mean, oh, okay. you know, this is still just standard Avengers, but I mean, Hickman is very clearly moving towards like the Secret Wars storyline yeah, more than anyone yeah. else. Because so. he's handling both titles now, so Yeah, so we'll you know, we'll we'll get to we'll get to see how it how it all ends up. Um 
how it all ends up shaking out um, when it comes to Avengers. Uh, let's see. Gosh, it's like almost all Marvel this week. But uh, we also had the second issue of the Jason Aaron, John Cassidy, Lauren Martin uh, created Star Wars number two, in which Darth Vader dual wields lightsabers <laughs> and Han Solo tries to crush stormtroopers with an ATAT. This comic is so fucking fantastic. I'm yeah. I'm not even like a big Star Wars nerd. Like I like Star Wars, but I'm not, you know, like I'm nowhere near the level that a lot of people a are. lot of people are. <laughs> I'm nowhere near. I wouldn't even say like Dante level Star Wars nerd. Oh, for sure. Um, <laughs> but but just reading this comic, it's so fun that when I read this comic, I just wish that I could like I wish this was in the movies. Because it's just so fun to like read everything that's going on. And I I just love these characterizations of the characters more than not more than the movies, but they just flesh out the characters more. Right. Yeah, no, I mean I definitely think that it's um it's nice to see kind of the you know, individual characters get some more play, like to see the in between stuff that we don't get to see. And again, Jason Aaron knocks out of the part when it comes to the tone of each of the characters and stuff. And he even does a good job of kind of playing with the, the character knowledge that player that the people would have at the time, you know, Um, like there's this whole thing where, you know, Vader doesn't realize that, um, that Luke is the pilot that blew up the Death Star. And, uh, you know, C-3PO is a... (laughs) coward (laughs) and you know yeah exactly and you know han solo tries to stomp on darth vader with an at-at like and that goes just as good as you'd think it would you know it's just a great comic it it fits the tone of star wars so well and um you know it's no surprise john cassidy knocks it out of the part with the art he did a whole bunch of the um the art for the original series and some comic releases and stuff like that as well so and it, honestly, it just makes Darth way more badass than he ever was in the movies because he couldn't be that much. They didn't have – like they just didn't have the capability to make him as awesome as he should be. Um, and the things he does in the – I mean he brings down – or he doesn't – yeah, he breaks an AT-AT with the Force. Yeah. Yeah, Han tries to stomp on him with the AT-AT and he's like, no, please. <laughs> so he's just like way more of like – I was never intimidated by Darth Vader in the movies. And I can understand like a lot of it has to be like, you know, the era because just like the era when it came out. And also I didn't see it until I was like a little bit older. Um, I, I love the character, but he's, I don't know, he's very plasticky. <laughs> I mean, so. to me, you know, Darth Vader in the original trilogy is really a lot more of kind of like the unknown menace. You know, you see him like choke the dude out. You see him like pinpoint some guys with like when he's like flying his starfighter and stuff, but you never know the full extent of what he might be capable of. And I think some of the mystery in that is what makes him kind of so menacing in the original series. Like, you know, and some of it is like, it's, it's good filmmaking that was new at the time, but yeah, I mean, the good news is that, I mean, the bad news is to wait for star Wars issue number three, we have to wait all the way until March 11th. Um, but in the in-between, we're going to pick up, uh, Darth Vader number one next week on the 11th of February. And then I believe it's going to be the, uh, 25th of February 
we're going to get the first issue of Star Wars Princess Leia from yeah. uh, Mark Wade and uh, John Dotson. So, um, you know, we won't get the whole crew, but we'll probably get some crossover with the bits and pieces in the individual books. So I'm looking forward to this. Um, I think they did a, they didn't do as large a variant cover shift, but they did do, I think like quite a few variant covers for the second issue as well. Um, so, uh, talk to your local comic book shop, see if maybe they've got, um, one of those in stock, if you'd like to get your hands on them. Um, so let's see, uh, speaking of getting your hands on things, bro, if you want to get your hands on some money, bro, it's in the top floor of, uh, Hawkeye's building, bro. Uh, and that all happens in, uh, Hawkeye issue 21, bro. Uh, when, uh, this is like the second to last issue of, uh, Matt Fraction and David Aha's run, uh, with Clint as Hawkeye and basically all the shit's hitting the fan right now. And uh, Hawkeye has to figure out a way to deal with it. But uh, it's kind of a bit lukewarm because this is, the like we said, the second to last issue of the run. But, uh, you know, it's relieving to come back to a character in, like, the end of the run and see how well a writer has picked him up. Like, Fraction just gets Clint to a T. And uh, it, it works really well. He made him a relevant character again. Um and the best part is he didn't have to really uh, – in an age where people automatically – like a large amount of people automatically associate that character with the movie version of that character, I think he did a really good job at not doing that and just made Clint – he kind of reinvented him within the Marvel Universe. Yeah. I mean I think he, you know, he did a great job of putting the spotlight on Clint you know, in terms of the comic itself, but also kind of everyone in the comic underestimates Clint as well, just like as usual in the Marvel universe where they're kind of like, yeah, but you know, he's Hawkeye. He's that arrow dude. I mean, there is, I assume this is a death that happens to, uh, this death dude, of yeah. Buster's <laughs> Yeah. Although pizza dog shows up lucky. Yeah. Pizza dog. Sweet, adorable pizza dog, which is great. I love <laughs> That bottom image of him holding the arrow is just so great at the end of the comic. So if they did have that Cosmo like um, solo series, then they should definitely have an event where Pizza Dog comes into play. I would take a Cosmo and Pizza Dog buddy dog comic. Cosmo, <laughs> Pizza Dog, Lockjaw. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Oh my god! Well, this is That's getting it. very close to like Pet Avengers, which was like Throg, Lockjaw, Lockheed. <laughs> I think Battery Bill was in Pet Avengers as well. <laughs> but uh but yeah dude i would oh man god that'd be, be so good oh. it'd be like homeward bound oh imagine <laughs> oh. homeward bound written by matt fraction oh my god don't even talk to me i can't process that <laughs> it's like a real uh, thing it'd be good so you know if you guys have missed any of this run uh the previous 20 issues are still available um, some of the earlier stuff you might have some trouble finding in print just because it's been a little bit since it's been released. But through the wonder of uh, digital comics, you can pick those all up uh, through the Marvel Comics digital service or through Comixology. Um, I think the Amazon even has some digital availability as well. So seriously, read this comic. Uh, the last 20 issues have been amazing, and 21 is no different. Uh, we also had uh, some great comics from Image this week. But uh, we would be remiss without talking about 
the comic that I know Kelsey was the most excited about for yes, this yes, week. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and yes. that would be none other than uh, Saga number 25. We had to wait like, what, like two months since yeah. the last release? It's uh, been a really long time. <laughs> God, it's been too long. Um, like, I felt like a drug addict. Like, I finally got like that sweet, sweet scent of like, I don't know, whatever the fuck, like back in my system. I was like, yes. And now I have to wait another fucking month. Heroin. Comes out again. What does heroin smell like? Is that I don't a scent think you that smell like heroin? drug addicts are into? No. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what heroin smells like. I don't Let me tell you what meth smells like. That smells gross. <laughs> like that. Um, that reminds me of that scene in This Is the End where Michael Sarah has like a pump full of cocaine and he like blows in somebody's face. He's like, does this cocaine smell bad? <laughs> Uh, whatever point being saga is the greatest thing and it makes me jones for it when i can't have it which is all the time because Uh. that it takes time to make genius like this and i get it but i don't have to like it so this issue is kind of the greatest like it is a little bit fillery just because we're still waiting for a lot of things have been foreshadowed because as Hazel is the narrator of the whole thing, she kind of tells you stuff ahead of time all the time. Mm-hmm. Like in this one, she's like, oh, yeah, it would be months. Like I hadn't seen my father in four months. It would be years before I saw him again. You're like, no. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's not going to happen anytime soon, which kind of bumps you out because you want to see that happen again with the whole family unit thing. But mm-hmm. um, it's in the meantime, like if this is filler, then this is. BKV doing filler as best as anybody ever has because it's still super entertaining and it's got like <laughs> it's packed full of adventure and fun and like the best like ironically like titled splash page I've ever seen in my life um, because Fiona <laughs> Staples is the greatest person alive um, uh. like one of the, they're basically split into two right now like the cast it's so we kind of split into like three groups at the moment uh yeah yeah yeah, i guess yeah so we have three groups then uh the first group is gonna be alana with hazel and dango the robot outlaw (laughs) um prince robot's baby and then um and her mom as well she's there yeah and her mother-in-law and um isabel and their walrus who apparently they're milking (laughs) to sustain uh to sustain themselves Mm -hmm. while they're in their little wooden spaceship thing and Alana's detoxing from drugs and Dango's still holding them captive and all that kind of stuff. So they're just kind of going through the motions there. Um, Hazel also looks absolutely adorable. In she's the little, cutest. The little, Her like, outfit, outfit is ridiculous. <laughs> she has a panel where she's just wearing this super huge, like, oversized, like, hoodie, basically. And she's just saying, my grandpa made me this or made this coat for me when I was a baby. It is toasty. And he is dead now. <laughs> Which... I don't care. You're a heartless human if you don't think that's adorable, if you look at it. And then you will see her like two panels later, like catching snowflakes on her tongue. <laughs> like, yeah. She's the cutest. Uh, I mean, you know, it, we also get uh, Gwendolyn uh, and uh, Lion Cat. Let's talk about this uh, forever because this Sophie. is like the girl. Like I would watch a movie of this lady team up, like just doing adventures. Like it's Gwendolyn, who is Marco's ex. There's the brand who is um, the Will's sister. Um, her panda dog sweet boy mm-hmm. um lion cat and sophie who is my all-time fave and they are going on an adventure to get dragon semen to cure the will because yep. apparently that's a thing that you need 
Um, and so when they go to attack it, they actually get urinated on in a full page spread, hence the splash page joke. Um, <laughs> and because they find a lady dragon and not a boy dragon, and it's disgusting and it's still really funny. And please, yeah. I posted a picture of it to our Twitter feed already, so if you haven't bought the book yet, you can at least see what you're in for. Hey guys, just so you know, uh, you can milk walruses. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. It's just not something I was like, oh, cool. Did you Google that while we were talking? <laughs> yeah, because I really had to know. Yeah. Um, it has <laughs> been consumed point. by the Inuit people for centuries. It that makes says. sense. Walrus yeah. is basically like an ice cow, right? You like, know? EKV does his research. I'm assuming he doesn't just fuck around. So, <laughs> yeah, because dragon semen's a thing. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> as much as it can be in a and... fantastical universe. Uh, somehow competing with Hazel for most adorable comic book character. Goose, Goose also shows up for uh, several panels here as a tiny, adorable anthropomorphic seal. Who's <laughs> <laughs> wearing little yellow overalls oh and has the cutest God. facial expressions I've ever seen in my life. Uh, yes, it's uh, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Um, so and we get to follow gets, Marco, yeah. right? He's Marco, um, Prince Robot the Fourth, um, Goose, and then it's Yuma or Yuma? Yeah, Yuma. Yuma. Um, and they're trying to get back to Alana and Hazel and all the rest of them. And it's so sad, but so cute. And I just love it. I don't want to, like, I feel like I've already talked about it way longer than we should be for like a comic um but it's just so fucking good and the last panel it just does what fiona staples does best and introduces like weird new interesting looking like alien races that we haven't seen before because she is like a master of character design and everything she does i stand by and back a hundred thousand percent and these are the people um, called Revolution that um, Dango called in to help. So we can only assume that they're trying to end the um, war that's been going on between Wreath and Landfall, that they haven't actually been fighting themselves. So they've been contracting out their own kind of like war against each other. And these people kind of wanted to fucking stop. So it looks like they're going to get some traction on that. So I'm really excited. I don't want to wait another month, but it's so good. Please read it if you haven't already, because you need to like... As much as we've talked about how great it is and said certain parts of it that are super great, like, you need to see it because Fiona Staples is just a goddamn treasure. And she is so good. It's also a timely allegory to fighting wars away from your uh, home soil and the effects that they can have on the people that fight them and the environments that they are fought upon. So, Exactly. uh, It's so brilliant on so many levels. So, yeah. I mean, the, the only downside to this comic is... Um, that the will is still, you know, down for the count at the moment. No, but, but uh, to be fair, Hazel does give us a spoiler alert in one of the panels. Yeah. So she lets us know that they eventually find the cure for the will. We just don't get to see it just yet because yeah. they love doing that for us. But this book is also really cool because in this particular issue, they give you a lot of background that we hadn't seen before. And like, we've seen a lot of background so far, just like in the development of the actual storyline. But um, this goes back into the before days before the war actually started and then how it started and a whole bunch of stuff like that. And you even get to see Alana back in her little punk rock goth fairy looking thing, (laughs) which is one of my favorites and what life was like before for her generation and the generation before. And it's really cool. So please read it. (laughs) Yeah, no, we can't say enough good things about saga and uh, really about like, the whole slate of uh, wonderful image comics this week. I know we got uh, we got Witches Four, which came out this week, 
which uh, um, Scott Snyder, of course, has a uh, has a hand in there, and uh, continually very good. I know. I think it was the first, the very first episode that Ryan you recommended, witches. Think so, um, yeah. And uh, I've been kind of keeping up with this comic all the way through, and uh, it's such a kind of like. I don't know if like bizarre is the white word because I feel like that has a negative connotation, but it's definitely, yeah, it's, um, image like in my opinion right now is putting out two of the best horror titles available. Uh, one is nail biter and the other is witches and they kind of cover different sides of the spectrum as far as like the horror world goes. Nail biter, which we've talked about before a couple of times is, which actually also came out this week. Yeah, the new Nailbiter was out this week too. It and it deals with this underlying mystery in this town where just numerous mass murders are from and they all have like very colorful backstories and it somehow like it's like a very Stephen King meets Twin's Peak uh Twin Peaks feel for Nailbiter. So it's a lot of like very human horror going on and then Witches is completely the opposite and it's a uh, a very like un unreal uh like unworldly horror that is happening in witches. Yeah. I, I do. Witches is Scott Snyder's writing is fantastic, but jock is just the perfect artist artist to pick for this series because the, some of, some of the stuff is just like so visceral and who's, who's doing the colors too. Um, Matt uh, Holland, Matt, yeah, Matt Hollingsworth props yeah. to him too, because between him and jock, they create some really just, amazing pages there's there, panels almost don't exist in this comic there there's panels are kind of a they're they're a very loose restriction in this comic yeah uh, sometimes he doesn't even draw panels sometimes the panels like he has a lot of really inventive stuff like there's one panel where they almost seem to be like kind of tumbling down the page haphazardly you know and the the colors and the the way the art style is it's all very erratic and but like so focused in supernatural like I, it creates a lot of tension in the comic because the horror that's happening is very tense it's it's pretty like now that we're on issue four it's pretty rapid fire what's going on uh, so I feel like the art plays into that it just kind of keeps you on your toes and the whole time you kind of stay tense with the characters yeah I mean I. I got to say like I'm I'm pretty happy with the pace that the story has developed over the four issues. It doesn't seem like it's really like hung up or taken any time to get going. They haven't really needed to like, you know, jump out of the way to do things that feel like awkward or kind of like forced or anything like that. So, you know, I think um overall I was really really happy with Witches this week. So, and Snyder's just another one. Um, I know on the show we we really hype up Fraction and we really hype up uh, BKV and then, of course, like Kelly Sue. And I feel like Snyder gets passed over a lot because he does a lot of DC, which we are notably not really into. <laughs> yeah. um, although he is writing hands down like the best books at DC right now. But also uh, a lot of like Snyder's big stuff wasn't like the wake finished right when we started our podcast uh american vampire like just started up it's like uh not started back up but the like second it's called like second wave i think is finally coming out cycle is what it is yeah second cycle is coming out and scott snyder is arguably the best horror comic book writer of all time i will say that as a like huge horror fan and i that was a 
Steve Niles kind of held that position for a long time. Um, and Mike Magnola too, to a degree, although I want to classify like Hellboy so much as horror as just like folklore, but, um, Snyder just really knows his horror. He has a wonderful mini called severed that is super dark and twisted and fucked up and terrifying. So if you can ever find it, you should definitely read it. And his work on, um, Batman is just like it's the darkest that you've ever really seen Batman without not it's not dark in Frank Miller like gritty sense it's dark in a very like horror sense yeah (laughs) horrifyingly dark is the way that uh, Scott Snyder is writing Batman at the moment so Uh, and I'll put a I'll put a link to uh, American Vampire in there as well um, so you guys can uh, take a peek at that one Uh, that one's a Vertigo property uh, and uh, some whoever it is that they have on the art here, uh, Raphael Albuquerque. Oh, it's on gorgeous. American Vampire is just oh Jesus, it's good. Um, so that's definitely um, worth a look. Um, other than that, uh, you guys, I think that is all of the comics that we had for this week. Um, is there Yay. anything that I missed? I don't think so. Um, Next uh, episode. Show. Yeah, <laughs> next episode, we can talk about they announced the Titans um, lineup. So yes, uh, and next episode we're gonna have a whole lot of wonderful stuff to talk about on February 11th. We're gonna get finally the secret, second issue of uh, Gail Simone's Secret Six, Yay! which I know uh, the three of us have just been like itching to get our hands <laughs> on. Uh, I actually read Secret Six one today because I wanted to kind of get myself all refreshed and ready to go for it. But in the meantime, guys, take a peek at our Podbean site. We're going to be looking at getting some more individual comic reviews up on the site for you guys as well. So if you guys are interested at all, take a peek onto twoguysandagirltalkcomics.podbean.com and uh, click around there. We'll have a post in there. I think I'm going to put up the first review that I have written up tonight in the meantime when I'm like editing the show. So hopefully it'll be up by the time this thing goes up. Uh, Other than that, thank you guys so much for listening to the show. Please stay tuned. Like we said, next week is going to be a really big week for news and comics and, uh, of course, all things wonderful. So until next week, thank you guys so much for listening and enjoy your comics. To hear more of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Comic Book podcast or to share your thoughts and comic recommendations, follow us on Twitter at 2G1GTalkComics. That's the number two, G, the number one, G, Talk Comics. Or if you'd like to email the show directly, you can do so at twoguysandagirltalkcomics at gmail.com. All letters this time. As always, you can find more episodes of the show by visiting our Podbean at twoguysandagirltalkcomics.podbean.com. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you next time.